I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello and welcome to episode 97 of the Glasgow is Green podcast. I'm your host this week, Rizzo, and I'm joined by Spunkphone. How you doing, mate? Hello there, John. It's uh, good to be back. It's been a, a wee while since I've been on the pod, so great to be back. Pleasure as always to chat with your, your good self about all things Celtic, and especially after the, the great day I'm sure we all had on Sunday. So, no, great to be back, mate. So... We didn't do a podcast after the Bodo Glimt game the other night, so I suppose we better briefly talk about that. And Spunkphone, it was another sort of typical Celtic and Europe performance, unfortunately. We had them under Neil Lennon, we had them under Brendan. Now we've got them under Ange. The list is endless. We just can't see me really cope when a team pressurises us in Europe. It's at the point I'm almost totally desensitised to these uh, sort of knockout games now and the failure after failure that we've had in them essentially. Copenhagen a couple of years back where old Paul Lenny in the dugout. Um especially after we performed the group, I thought it was the big big kind of chance to finally put to bed that terrible record we've got in these knockout ties. I think it's eighteen uh, years now. No since obviously Davy Marshall put out Barcelona that um that we've managed to go through in one of these ties and Copenhagen's I say I thought was the big chance at the time and I was thinking again there with Bodo Glimp the other night who are no mugs to be fair I mean they performed really well in a group with you know with Roma um, obviously battered them over there in Norway which maybe doesn't bode too well for Thursday but you know I thought them coming off the back of, of losing three or four key players having not played a competitive game as well for two to three months I was thinking that um, they were there for the taking if you like but um, no they, they certainly caught as cold and um, it's a big job now, obviously, to look to, to turn it around the second leg. It sort of reminded me of the Copenhagen game as well. Copenhagen was maybe slightly worse because we'd got it back to one each. And then I remember Eddie saying to the players, just keep calm. And then, of course, we conceded the two goals in a couple of minutes. Uh, a game that, unfortunately, I missed because I was 
at a concert in Manchester. Fact fans, there you go. It was Slater Kenny, of course. Great band. But <laughs> it was a bit like that with the goalie. We finally go back into the game with that header by throwing it at Medea. And then a minute later, we considered a goal. And I could just take, I could just sense that we we're going to consider that goal. When they had the ball and were running towards us, I thought, we're going to just do something ridiculous here. And okay, it was a bit of an unlucky goal, but it just sort of sums up Silicon Europe. But now, it doesn't matter. This team, I mean, they're, they're going great guns in the Premiership. I think we've won like 16 out of the last 18 games or something ridiculous like that. We're now three points clear, doing much better than I think MD could hope. Yet we still just kind of cut it in Europe at all. And I'm sorry to say, Monsieur, it shouldn't be a distraction, but it is. We'll talk more about the game on Thursday at the end of the podcast, but that's really more of a distraction, I'd say, before the Hibs game on the Sunday. Yeah, and it's... it's- Disappointing, really, that that's the situation we find ourselves in because um, a lot of people say the league's the only thing that matters and, you know, Europe's just secondary. But the way you listen to Ange and even the players talk about it before the game, they were wanting to go far in that competition and really lay down a mark. And, look, they might well, you know, do a job on Thursday and and turn that around. But um, certainly at the moment, it's not looking too good on that front. So, thank God we we bounced back on Sunday. And that's the thing. The, and like I know it's, this is like the third tier competition, but if we got to the quarterfinals or semis, even people would be so excited and hyped for it. I mean, it's obviously a step down for like this, like the civil season. But I mean, I say like going to like a European semi final, people would be extremely excited. But the, the only thing that's really keeping us alive is that it's no away goals really anymore. That's the only thing that's really saved us because if we were three one down, we had to go over there and score three, then. That'd probably be it. I mean, I think we probably will need to score three or four if we want to make it, but we'll just need to wait and see. But we did bounce back, as you said. We beat Dundee 3-2 to go three points clear at the top of the league after Rangers drew one each with Dungeon United earlier on. A game which I had a ticket for but couldn't attend because of COVID, even though I'd feel all right. The, the, the double line kept putting up my test, so I just left it to be safe. Did you go to the game, Spunk Phone? Did not make it on Sunday, John, no. But I, I did obviously keep a, an eye on it and watched it in the past, which uh, it was, a, it was a, a thrilling spectacle, um, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to come on in some detail here. It was. I watched it in the past as well, and I thought it was a, an interesting game. It was interesting to see the team that I selected. I wasn't surprised that uh, Greg Taylor was left out because I don't think he played very well at all against... Bodo Glimp, what did you make of the decision that Ange made for the Bodo Glimp game where he played O'Reilly and Rogic together, which I think everybody all thought was a mistake and it was in hindsight. I mean, they're far too attacking. It wasn't a surprise at all that Rogic was uh, back in the bench. Do you think we'll ever repeat that midfield uh, trio again? Because I just don't think that will happen again ever. I think domestically you might see it potentially because I think you can probably get away with it in those games. Um, but no, I, I I thought looking at that on on Thursday night it looked a bit a bit light, I guess. I, I suppose in midfield, so I was happy to see Hidati coming back in um, on Sunday. Same with obviously Yakimaka, who I thought should have started the game on Thursday as well. Um, I don't know what the thinking was there. I don't know if it was maybe like the sports science guys, you know, because I know, for example, with Hattati, he's, he's obviously, I'm just still making a point of the fact that he's not yet fit. Yakimakis has obviously there's his issues with, um, with injuries in the first part of the season as well. So I don't know if it was maybe just a case of trying to rotate the guys. But um, yeah, certainly I, I, I was a bit 
confused, certainly looking at the, the lineup on Thursday. As you say, no real surprise to see Greg Taylor was dropped for um, for obviously the, the game at the weekend there. Um, and I was really happy as well to see, as I say, Hitati and Yakimakis back in there as well. And obviously the, the big man up top had quite the impact. He did. So just a brief story of the game. We gave away a goal for a set piece. Can you believe it? For the second game, domestic league game in a row, we considered two goals for set pieces. The Dundee took the league when Danny Mullen was just left in tons of isolation and put the ball past Joe Hart. Do you think Joe Hart maybe could have done a bit better for that? He should have came for the ball, do you think? I think it was a combination of um, Hart maybe could have came for it there, but I certainly think it was... um, just from looking back at the replays, it was Hitati that looked to actually lose his man. Um, I think it was their number eight, Burn. He was then obviously able to block off O'Reilly, who, you know, probably one or two people watching that claim for a foul. I think O'Reilly's just got to be stronger there. But all in all, I think it was just pretty, pretty calamitous all round. I wouldn't attribute it to just one player, but I suppose if I had to, um, from looking back at it, I thought it was really Hitati who maybe should have done a bit of a, a better job there. But it's it's worrying, obviously, to see us conceding set-piece goals again. Obviously, we concede another one later on in the game also, which I'm, I'm sure we'll come on in and analyse a little bit. But, um, yeah, just a, a really poor goal to lose. It was, but thankfully we bounced back. We put Dundee under a lot of pressure and GG scored equaliser. And I thought it was a great finish, the way he swivelled and turned and hooked the ball into the back of the net. It was a real striker's finish. And then a few minutes later, he gets his second goal. Uh, Madia put in a low cross in the box. It was spilled by the Dundee goalie, Ian Lawler. And Gigi was in the right place at the right time. He put it in the back of the net, and that was us 2-1 ahead at half time. And they were both good goals, one with the right foot, one with the left foot, and they were both good strikers' goals in different kinds of ways. I mean, one was a, a, sort of a really good, like, improvised uh, half volley, and then the second one was just like striker's instinct. And that's what... But really, when we want to see for Gigi, and I agree with you, I think I remember when I was on this podcast the last time, I think it was against the Motherwell game. I thought he, I was uh, impressed with him. I thought he started the night, and I thought he'd done very well for both of the goals. As you say, he's on the turn on the spin and um, takes it really, really well. Keeper's probably just a bit blindsided because it was, you know, three or four bodies in the way, but take nothing away for the finish. I thought that was brilliant. And then obviously, you had. Miada as well. Um, he just missed obviously a, a big chance just before that. He wasn't quite able to get on the end of the, the ball just across the kind of six yard box, but done brilliantly to get that cross ball in. Um, and as you say, keep our fumbles up, but it is just striker's instinct, which is really what you get with, with playing a uh, big Gigi as, uh, as we've christened him. So no, I, I thought he took that very well and obviously went on to have a big say in the second half. Talk about a chance that Medea had in the first half. That was actually great play by Gigi. He showed strength and put it on a plate for him and he just sort of couldn't reach it. So that was us 2-1 ahead at half time. Second half, we missed a couple of great chances to like put the game beyond doubt. Jota, who I thought had a sort of up and down game, he put in a, a brilliant ball in the six-yard box. Right for right, Pratt's gonna play for uh, Medea, and he just couldn't get his uh, head on it. That was a great chance. And then a couple minutes later, the ball broke to McGregor, who had a great chance for the edge of the box. I thought he was going to just hammer it into the top corner and they put it over the bar. And then we were punished, and again, it was another set piece. Starfield gave away a silly free kick about 30 35 yards out, and now McGinn put in a, a brilliant free kick. 
and Ryan Sweeney made it to each. And I thought it was a great ball for the ex-Celtic player. It was sort of, I would say, you couldn't defend that kind of ball. It was a sort of free kick that which Nakamura would have done in these good old days at Celtic. It was a good header, but that's four set-piece goals in the two domestic two uh, league games in a row. And that I know that Anne said after the game he's not happy about it and they're going to have to work on it, but... I think this goal wasn't really as, as bad a goal to concede as the first goal because I think it was a good goal. But that, as you said earlier, it is a problem that we're, after a great spell, we'll start conceding daft goals again like we did at the start of the season. But one thing I would just point out is it's kind of in between Starfield and Carter Vickers, which you could argue, you know, that's the quality of the ball in there and that's what makes it difficult for both of them to deal with. But I just think we get two big centre-halves the ball's right in between them um, for neither of them to get on the end of it I, I thought was was pretty poor to be honest one thing we actually didn't mention John um, was obviously the the big penalty shout I know we had a couple yes, in the first half that's right, that one yes. was just just absolutely ridiculous I mean I know there was obviously a lot of talk about our, our good pals from across the water um, in their trip to Tanadice one or two shouts they had for penalties but I mean that one on GG was just Absolutely ridiculous. There's another chance actually, Miada had where um, the ball actually ends up with him. They it just sort of straight to the keeper. Maybe should have done slightly better with it. But I mean, how is that not a penalty in a red card? It was just ridiculous. And and the thing is, if that's given, it's a completely different game, a completely different afternoon. Assuming obviously that whoever stepped up, most likely even with Gigi in the hat trick, I'd imagine it would be Iranovic given the penalty miss for the big man earlier in the season. But yeah, I mean, we, we shot ourselves in the foot, obviously, conceding that equaliser. But ultimately, you know, with that absolutely ridiculous decision not to give that penalty, that was why we found ourselves in that situation to begin with. It was. I don't want to uh, really complain about referees. That's that's for uh, other teams to do. I won't name them. But that was probably the most stick-on penalty of the season, as you say. Gigi just got wiped out completely. And... As you say, the ball broke to Medea um, and his header was pretty weak and it was saved. But I seen, I think it was on the, the Celtic halftime show, that, uh, somebody said that they thought that the reason they played on was the advantage because like, Medea was in the penalty box. But it was the most stick on penalty this season. I know there's been a lot of conscientious even decisions this, this week and this season. And that was just. R- ridiculous. As I say, I don't like to moan about referees because I think it's daft, really. I mean, wish, but that was just the most stick-on penalty of the season that we've not had, and it was dreadful. Really, really bad decision. As you say, that would have probably put us 3-1 up. I'd imagine Gigi would have took it because I think it's the first time he'd have been on the pitch when we've got a penalty since he missed that one against Livingston. But as you say, it would have been 3-1 up probably. It would have been a comfortable game, but it went to two each as we talked about Dundee's goal. Then I thought it was a pretty interesting part in the second half when we ended up putting beat on in the midfield in a defensive role and we pushed McGregor up forward a bit. And I think McGregor looked a lot better playing a bit forward because I thought he had a pretty poor game. And all honesty, up until then, I thought he had a pretty poor game as well against uh, Bodo Glimp the other night as well. And we need, we need him to be his best now because he's so important. But then, and I think the 86th minute, finally the goal arrived. It could have been one of the days where Celtic failed to take advantage. I mean, just slit him up. But we did take advantage in the 86th minute. Gigi completing his hat trick. But big up has to go to Tony Ralston. 
he was batting the team and he showed why he was batting the team with a brilliant cross and Gigi was there at the near post to put the header home, diving header, he completes perfect hat trick, left foot, right foot and a header and it was a great goal and there was never any chances conceding a goal for there. I know Dundee the penalty claim at the end were, I think a Dundee player headed it onto Jota's hand, I don't think that was a penalty in all honesty, but we managed to survive and get the three points, and that goal, Spunkphone, was all about Anthony Ralston and GG. It was a great combination with him. Yeah, it was a brilliant, brilliant ball from Ralston. Um, credit to him, because he's really stepped up, not just you know this season in terms of... Everyone knows how he's kind of stepped it up and how much he's developed under Ange, but um, he's, he's stepped up in the big moments late on in games. Obviously, had the winner up at, at Ross County earlier in the season, and earlier on the season, the late winner against Dundee United at home, and, and now obviously another against Dundee. Um, but no, the, the ball in for Alston was superb, and um, Gigi, as you say, getting the, the perfect hat-trick, but to be fair, he, he really couldn't miss for there, because the quality of the ball from Ralston was just superb. He then obviously runs off, taps off, looking like a true, a true Greek Adonis, John. And that's Ralston's uh, seventh assist of the season, and he's got the joint third most assists in the, the team this season, in the league, I think it is. Rogic has got nine, Abada's got eight, and Jota and Ralston have both got seven, and that really is well done to Ralston. He scored five goals as well, and that's excellent for a fullback, especially when you consider that he's been out of the team. He's been out of favour for a while, but I think after uh, yesterday, he's going to be back in favour for a while. And he'll be back in the team for the foreseeable future, I'd imagine. As you know, we scored that goal late on. I was looking at it earlier. That's four games a season that in the last 10 minutes we've turned a draw into wins. The Aberdeen one, where Jota scored. As you said, Ross County, when uh, Ralston scored in the 97th minute. Dundee United, when Nevada scored uh, at, the start of, at the end of last month. And then yesterday, so that's eight points for the four games we've turned into victories. And because of that is why the reasons are three points ahead. I mean, I know it's always a cliche that Celtic always fight to the end and score last minute winners, but sometimes the cliches are true. And this might not be the best Celtic team I've ever seen. I think there's still a lot of issues, but there's certainly a, a Celtic team that fights to the end. You get occasions where, I mean, to be fair, yesterday, I think on balance, we absolutely did deserve to win the game, but you get the odd one where we don't turn up, but we're, we're still grinding out the results and as you say those late goals it's the reason we are we are three points clear at the moment and on course to you know continue this this great run of form that we've been on as well um obviously we've got a tough week ahead again with the trip to Norway and then a trip to Easter Road as well but no I, I think with the the form that we're in in, in in terms of just grinding at results even when we've not been at our best as well and those late winners as well as you say it's maybe not the best Celtic team we've ever seen obviously there's been points this season in certain games where the football they've played is absolutely spectacular but I think there, there clearly is a, a certain mentality that's been forged with this team and, and is that kind of Never say die attitude, and and that ultimately is is as we've just said is what's got us three points clear in the league at the moment. It's eighteen out of the last uh, twenty league games we've won, and we've drawn now two. That's just unbelievable, really. I, that sort of consistency that Martin O'Neill's team had, they sort of had runs like that, and our, our dear leader Stephen has been uh, getting on about how we've not played well, and we've been lucky at times. But I don't really think we've been that lucky. I mean, if you, if you even talk about yesterday, with a stonewall penalty that we never got, we're 
still been without our best player since December. That's the thing. I mean, I'm just looking at it. It was against St. Johnson that Kyo got injured. And since then, we've played seven league games and we've won them all. And that's without our best player. Even somebody like David Tumble, who I know, know isn't everybody's favourite, he was a big player for us. He scored nine goals for us this season and he's been out for months as well. So it really is credit to Ange and the team that they just keep going. And I know that Stevie's sort of concerned. He's concerned about Easter Road next weekend. But I think Celtic can win any league game. That may, I might be wrong about that, but I really don't feel Celtic playing any team in the league that we've shown. Even Livingston. I know we're playing Livingston next month, and I'm sure there'll be a podcast after that game, but I'm confident Celtic, we might not play the best. It might be difficult, but I'm confident Celtic can win any game in Scotland. Though. Europe is a different story, but in Scotland, I think Celtic can beat anybody. Obviously, the belief Ange is instilled in the players, but the belief the players are instilled in the supporters is a result of, as you say, grinding out these results when uh, when things maybe aren't going our way or, or when we've not been at our best. I don't want to get too far ahead myself. Maybe like you are a... But yourself there, John, talking about Livingston. I don't know about that, the, the Tony Macaroni um, on the plastic pitch. But listen, we've got an opportunity to go play a, a, an opponent in yellow and black on a plastic pitch on Thursday. So hopefully that's a good warm-up for us. And who knows, if we can get a positive result there, maybe that will go some way towards banishing the the ghosts of the spaghetti had. But um, certainly, as you say, it's, it's that belief that's been instilled in... in um, you are confident going into any game at the moment, whether it's Easter Road next Sunday, as you say, Livingston down the line, or obviously the trip to Ibrox we've got next month as well. Um, at the moment, there's a real belief that a Celtic team can go anywhere and, and can get the results. So, um, yeah, I, I'm completely with you. I share that confidence that I think any game we go into domestically at the moment, you know, we're, we're really looking... Looking strong, and, and as I say, even if we maybe don't play at our best, you're still always confident that we'll get it over the line in the end, and that's just a credit to Ange and, and the players as well. Yep, it's just a pity that our next game is not in domestic football, <laughs> it's in Europe again, uh, the Europa League Conference. Before we go, we'll do a preview of the game on Thursday, quarter six kickoff, the second leg against Bodo Glint, as you say, on the plastic pitch for 3 1 down. Do you have any hope at all that we could turn it around, Spunk from what was? What's your confidence percentage-wise, let's say, that we'll turn it around? I'd say 50-50 in terms of, I think we could go over there and get a result in terms of maybe winning the game. But in terms of actually getting through the tie, um, I'm not too sure. I, I just hope that going there on Thursday, I know I've seen a lot of people talking about rotating the team or um, you know, Easter Road's a priority, which it, it, it still is, obviously. But I, I just hope that, you know, we see, for example, Big Gigi keep his place through the middle, hopefully, and I don't think he will anyway, make that same mistake again with Rogic and O'Reilly in midfield. As I say, I think there's certain games domestically when you're playing against these teams with low blocks and 10 men behind the ball that you can get away with that. But um, Bodo Glimt has shown they're a, a good side, but I'd, I'd just be hopeful for another good performance. If they can get a result over there, even if we can't get through the tie, then it would still be momentum I suppose that they're building in a sense but I'll be honest with you I'm never really confident myself in Europe particularly in these knockout ties as well but as I say I'll say 50-50 in terms of maybe getting a result from the game but I still don't think that we'll we'll have enough to go through on the night I don't know about yourself No I'm pretty much the same as you I mean 
I wouldn't have shot him if he won something like 3 2, something like that. I mean, I'm sort of saying with you, like 50 50. As to getting slightly a two goal one, I think that's like 20% to 80% confidence. I'm just not confident at all. And it's a pity because it's just a relief really that the momentum didn't get sort of derailed against Dundee because the heads would have been down after that game the other night. I think a lot of people thought we were just going to go down, go to like play a Bodo Glint and win relatively comfortably. It just didn't happen, but thankfully the heads didn't drop and we managed to win. Against Dundee, and as you say, if we beat Bodo Glint and even still if we don't if, it is, if we don't get through, I mean, it would still be confidence booster to take it into the game at Easter Road, which probably is a bigger game. But there'll be a pod after that next week. But I'll not be <laughs> I'll not be there because I'll be in London. So that'll be fun. But no, it's going to be yet another exciting week for Celtic. The games are non-stop. There's two games this week. Next week, there's two games as well. We've got Mirren and then Livingston. Duh, duh, duh. Then we've got the Scottish Cup against Dundee United away. That'll be a difficult game. We saw that they gave Rangers problems yesterday. No, it's a non-stop football. And then, of course, there's international break. And the first game after that is the derby against Rangers at Ibrox. It's going to be a very exciting end of the season, Spunk for Gig pod over there every step of the way, giving the fans more great podcasts, great content, whether it's on Twitter or the videos Stevie's doing over on Instagram now as well. So, no, looking forward to it, mate. And as I say, it was a, a pleasure to be back on, chat with yourself, and thank goodness we had a, a big win for Celtic to discuss as well. I know, it's usually just after disheartening defeats, but no, it was a good one yesterday, and hopefully we can get a result over in Norway Thursday. So, Spunkphone, thanks for being on this week. Thank you very much for having me, John. No worries, and you can follow the pod on Twitter at GigPod, where Stevie writes his hilarious tweets, and you can watch his sensational videos on Instagram as well, at GigPod on Instagram, the 60-minute, 60 60-second 60 reviews of the game, 60 minutes, goodness sake, that'd be too much for MD. But no, thanks to everybody for listening, as usual, you know where to find us now on all the usual podcast platforms, etc, etc. Apologies if there's any strange noises in this episode, we are doing it via that wonderful technology of Zoom, so hopefully it'll sound alright for you. But no, we'll be back after the Bodo Glimp game on Thursday, where hopefully we're talking about a miraculous Celtic victory that keeps alive a European campaign. But thanks everybody for listening, as usual, and we'll speak to you all soon. Hail, hail. Network.